Hey there, listeners. This is Ryan, and you're listening to the Pagemaster Book Review Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest and greatest novels climbing up the bestseller list. So whether you're looking at a current bestseller, or if you want to get back into reading in general, come on in, pour yourself some coffee, and make yourself at home as we dive into your next great read. Hello, and I hope everyone is doing well. Today I have a special pick for you, something that was pretty monumental for me when I first read it, and it is The Island of Seamen by Lisa C. To kind of bullet point it for you, uh, set on the Korean island of Jeju, The Island of Sea Women follows Miya and Young Suk two girls from very different backgrounds as they begin working in the sea with their village's all-female diving collective. Over many decades, through the Japanese colonialism of the 1930s and 40s, World War II, the Korean War, and the era of cell phones and wetsuits for the women divers, Mia and Young Suk developed the closest of bonds. Nevertheless, their differences are impossible to ignore. Mia is the daughter of a Japanese collaborator, forever marking her, and young Suk was born into a long line of Henyo, and will inherit her mother's position leading the divers. After hundreds of dives and years of friendship, forces outside their control will push their relationship to the breaking point. So, to kind of give you a better uh, idea, I'll go ahead and break down this story into bullet points. So, starting in 1938, or around there, the Japanese had control of Korea and, more specifically, Jeju, the island. And the two girls first meet when Mia is stealing food from uh, Young Suk's family's garden. And at first, her mother wanted to punish her, but she saw how impoverished and malnourished Mia was. So she kind of took her under her wing, and she became a surrogate daughter and surrogate sister uh, to, to the family. As stated before, Jeju is an island that is... Matrifocal. It's a society that focuses on the, the women divers. They're the ones to dive hundreds of feet uh, below the surface f- into freezing temperatures and collect any and anything that's edible underwater. And during one of these first dives, Young Suk is unfortunately responsible for inadvertently causing the death of her mother and the retardation of her sister. Uh, Yuri was her sister, who is also a, as they say, baby diver, and they're supposed to stay closer to the surface and closer to the more experienced divers. When 
they try to get an octopus, the octopus overpowers uh, Yuri and eventually causes enough damage to where she loses most motor function. And her mother tried to save her, but succumbed to, uh, to her injuries. As a result, uh, Doseng, she is pretty much the second in command after uh, Young Suk's mother. She takes command of the diving collective, and her twin daughters, Guya and Gu Sun, are pretty much going to be on the same level as Young Suk when it comes to calling the shots. So, after the death of her mother, her and Mia go through the ringer. Uh, Mia is pretty much saved by her blood status. She ends up leaving the island to marry a Japanese uh, captain, if you will. And it came at a time when things were extremely tense between the two friends. Uh, kind of bullet-pointing other things that happened that weren't equally important. Their island was kind of a stepping stone for America to get to Japan, and as such, uh, the island sort of had a few scuffles here and there with locals and troops, both on the American side and the Japanese side. After World War II, the U.S. pretty much had it under its control. Speeding forward through World War II, uh, next we would have the Jeju Uprising. Um, bullet pointing that the South Korean government ran an anti-communist campaign uh, to sort of prevent the spread of it. And then on the island, there was a lot of voter suppression and overall just chaos everywhere. Uh, Guerrilla warfare fighters uh, trying to make sure that the regime wasn't as all-powerful um, as it eventually became. To where eventually, between 30,000 to 60,000 uh, Koreans uh, were murdered, and about 40,000 more had fled to Japan uh, to escape the fighting. And again, because this is a, a historical fiction, there is a lot that happens throughout this book, and all I can say is it is a an emotional roller coaster. Moving on in, into the characters, although there are many who we meet along the journey, 
I wanted to focus mainly on the two main characters, um, just because there's so much to unpack with both of them. Um, so yes, Mia, being a daughter of a Japanese collaborator, what that means is while the Japanese had um, colonized the island of Jeju, many Japanese soldiers would um, watch guard over the island's inhabitants and at times did what they wanted just because they could and they had their weapons and they had their status so pretty much whatever they wanted to they could get away with Mia's uh, father worked I believe at a canning factory on the mainland um However, it's still one of those prejudicial them versus us things when it came to how the people of Jeju viewed people like Mia. And so as a result, she was shunned and ostracized and no one really wanted anything to do with them. Young Suk, however being the daughter of the leader of the diving collective she was how can you how can i say this she had to grow up immediately there was no childhood in fact most of the children on the island more specifically uh, the daughters they had no childhood to speak of they were raised to follow in their mothers footsteps to be the breadwinners, so to speak, of their household. And as a result, there's just a lot more responsibility placed on them, and they don't have the luxury that the boys did. The boys were afforded the opportunity to go to school to better themselves, to get a better job, and they would they would be the ones to take care of the, the younger children at home while all of the women went out to sea to go do their diving. Now, there is an, in, there is an incident that happens in the book um, during the uprising. There is a day where a massacre occurs. And Young Sook was in the crowd, while Miha, she was an observer. I can't exactly say who was a casualty, but suffice to say that there were casualties that hit so close to home to Young Sook she forever pictured Mia as being responsible in the sense that she felt as if though she could have stopped it. Whether or not she could have is up for debate. However, Young Suk views things one way, and she is very set in stone in her views. She doesn't really allow nuance. You know, things are very black and white for her. And she has to view the world that way because 
as the as the future leader of the uh, diving collective, she has to make decisions that affect not only her but literally everyone in the collective and the village. If she makes a wrong call and doesn't call someone in at a certain time, that person may dive too deep and the air goes to their head and they die. So Young Suk, she doesn't have the luxury of allowing nuance. She has to make decisions based on what she knows and when she knows. And it's kind of made her very short. Mia, however, she always allows herself to believe in the best in others. And so it's a very yin and yang relationship that the two girls have. But throughout all this, it's clear to see that there's still love there. Otherwise, the the hatred that Young Suk feels for Mia wouldn't have been as strong. So for this next section, I usually go into the topic of themes, and I'm going to do that in a way, uh, because with this novel, it was divided into five sections with certain uh, titles on each part. Friendship, Love, Fear, Blame, and Forgiveness. So, starting with the first section, Friendship, this section goes over the history between Young Suk and Mia during their childhood. Um, it is where we learn Mia doesn't know how to read um, in any shape or form, and Young Suk extends the hand of friendship and begins to teach her, or tries to anyways. Um, love, as the girls grow older, there are certain traditions and customs, um, arranged marriages being, uh, being one of them. And one of the things that occurs is that we see love not just between the girls and their potential suitors, but the love between each other. The Japanese captain who eventually weds Mia, initially he expressed interest in Young Suk. However, Mia knew how abusive he was and she took it upon herself to protect young suk from his actions and in a way sacrificed herself however through young suk's eyes she sees the person she wants being pursued by someone who's supposed to be her sister so you can see where the tensions are starting to build and 
how how secrets can sometimes destroy relationships. Within the uh, third part, fear, that is during the time of World War II and the beginning of the American occupation, um, which leads us into section four, blame. During the Jeju Uprising, as I said, there is a massacre that occurs, and Young Suk, for all intents and purposes, blames Mia for not doing something, anything. And finally, forgiveness. It is a very long road to it, but Young Suk eventually reaches a place where she can forgive both herself and Mia for things that were out of their control. Uh, something that I did neglect to mention that I should have at the very beginning. At the very beginning of the novel, it actually starts in 2008 with Young Suk on the beach um, as an old woman. Um, throughout Ahenyo's life, they have different stations, if you will. The younger one, uh, young girls typically will go on the boats when the collective goes out to dive. They watch and observe. And then when they, when they get about teenage years, they are sent to foreign countries, uh, typically Russia, uh, more Northern Hemisphere, where they learn to deep sea dive in icy, colder waters. And they bring that money in for their families and either help support their family or help support the, the boys to go to school. And then when they come back, they're fully fledged divers, uh, bringing in money and selling their, uh, selling their catches. And then when they reach to the age where it's no longer safe for them to dive, the, uh, the elder Henyos are on the beach gathering algae and whatever washes up on shore and collect, recycle, and create with what they have. And at the beginning of this novel, we meet Clara, who is related, loosely, to Young Suk. Um, we find out that she is actually a granddaughter of Mia and Young Suk. There is an event that happens that, <laughs> uh, because of spoilers, we won't reveal. But I'm sure you can put an educated guess as to how that happens. In any event, we find out that at the beginning of the novel, Clara is looking to speak to Young Sook to deliver a message to her from Mia. So it's clear that there has been a significant amount of time to where both women have not spoken to each other. And when she finally does forgive herself, she is able to listen to the message that Mia has sent her. The next thing I wanted to get into 
or a point of interest is, again, how the Henyo are respected for having a matrifocal culture, a society focused on women. They work hard and have many responsibilities and freedoms and earn money for their household. But yet, when you consider the island itself is an anomaly. It's not the normal. In fact, several times in the novel, it refers to how whenever one of the main characters goes to visit the mainland, it's always a counterculture, as in the women are again expected to be seen and not heard, to take care of the children, etc., etc., etc. So it begs the question, how much power do the women on Jeju really have? Again, they're the breadwinners, but they're still women. And unfortunately, you know, they're still bound by the heteronormative hierarchy in the long run. Um, the prime example is that while the women are out there diving and earning money, they do it to supplement the males in their households. It is rare for a female to get an education um, at all. And within the novel, it's, it's seen as tradition... But yet still, you would, you would hope that a society as progressive, seemingly progressive as this one, that education would be at the forefront for everyone. Um, however, it's, it's still not. I guess the prime example of this would be when Young Suk has her daughter, Jun Lee. Uh, Jun Li, when she becomes of age, it's getting to a point uh, on the island where the island's becoming commercialized and more modernized, uh, if you will. And Jun Li goes to university on, uh, I believe, in, in Seoul, and even though she's successful this way, Young Suk kind of has, I want to say, a, a, she has pride and at the same time a bit of a grudge in the sense that her daughter is able to do what she couldn't. And she wants her to succeed, but she also wants her to carry on the ways that she has learned. Now, I kind of wanted to rewind to the theme of blame. So, on page 39, Young Suk's mother recites the aphorism, If you plant red beans, then you will harvest red beans. Jun Bu repeats the saying on page 199. Now, this is... I think it highlights something it highlights the treatment and how we view both 
Mia and Young Suk. In regards to Mia, this aphorism kind of goes to show and mean that if you think of somebody a certain way, if you view them a certain way, and you hold that in your heart, and you treat them as such, that's who that person will become to you. So, essentially she's saying, by treating her as an evil villain, she's going to be an evil villain to you. And same thing goes with Young Suk, in the sense that you teach someone how to be a deep sea diver and that's what they'll do that's what they're that's literally all they know and so it's interesting to see how one is a positive um, interpretation and one is a negative interpretation and it affects both uh, both characters uh, profusely and now kind of going towards the theme of forgiveness. Uh, Clara recites a proverb attributed to Buddha, to understand everything is to forgive. Considering the whole novel, to an extent I believe that this is true. Uh, In real life, while not everyone on Jeju has found forgiveness in the sense of, you know, looking at both the Japanese and Americans as outsiders and heavily influencing the daily life and ongoings um, of the island. They're, they understand that it, some people understand that what's happened has happened and we need to move on. And others, such as Young Look, kind of hold those a bit closer to the heart. However, looking at Young Suk, she does not forgive very lightly, if at all. You know, she has witnessed colonization, imperialization, and commercialization, and at the same time witnessing the loss of several family members. I'm not going to say which ones, you know, we want to leave some surprises for you. But suffice to say that she's lost more than her, more than her fair share, and as a result, she seems to be very weighed down by all this heaviness and loss. And it's sort of that one saying where you know, anger is like a poison that you drink and expect the other person to die, and she hasn't forgiven. It, 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 take, it takes her a while to forgive because she only knows what she knows as her living through what she's gone through until she meets Clara and listens to Mia's message. She only sees herself as, as a victim and she's let that keep a certain power over her. And by not taking that power back herself, she's allowed that pain to pretty much control her life. 
at the same time, considering the specific things she's went through, I don't exactly blame her for feeling the way she does. She is valid in feeling what she feels. And finally, one last thing I wanted to get into uh, that struck me about this novel was kind of the idea and theme of destiny. Mia carries the burden of being the daughter of a Japanese collaborator, while Young Suk uh, carries the burden of being the daughter of the head of the collective. And so there's a question about whether or not there's an inevitability to both of their destinies. As in, you know, was it inevitable that Mia was going to be completely exiled by her position? And is there an inevitability to young Sook you know, taking over her mother's place and becoming the leader of the collective and, and village? I there and then of course there's another way of looking at it is you know are you responsible for the sins of your mother or fathers to an extent when it comes to them I do believe that they were always going to be at odds end there are just some things like family and those ties that bind that sometimes can just be a lot more stronger than than a friendship can be. It's like they say, you know, blood is thicker than water, and at the end of the day, you have to choose who is more important to you. And having been raised the way she was, you know, Young Sook was always... You know, destined to choose her family over, over her friendship, and this can further be seen um, later on in the novel. Trying not to spoil too much, but suffice to say that Clara's parents are Young Sook's mother and. Uh, Mia's uh, son. Young Suk blames Yo Chan for being Mia's son and sort of quote unquote taking her daughter away from her, and she views it as a, ma a manipulation and a betrayal. And that was kind of a prevalent um, stereotype or viewpoint when you would ask a native of Jeju you know, how they felt about their Japanese uh, colonizers. They viewed them very negatively. And so you know, there have been multiple times when Mia showed she was the daughter of a collaborator and Young Suk either, well for the most part, defended her up until we reach the uh, fear and blame portion of the novel. Um, so overall, when it comes to this novel, it came at a time when I needed some uh, some clarity in 
redefining what it means to be a friend and as well as what it means to truly forgive someone. Um, so I would say if you like A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, uh, this would probably catch your interest as well. Or if you're just interested in learning more about um, the war in the Pacific, World War II, anything around and after that era, um, I gave this, I believe, a 4.5 out of 5, um, just shy of making uh, making five stars. It is beautifully sad and in all the best ways possible. Um, so yes, this has been a wonderful read and I can't recommend it enough. Um, so yes, thank you for listening. I am Ryan and you are listening to the Pagemaster Book Review Podcast. So until next time, bye.